Blog Talk Radio. Incredible performance came on the night of March 2nd as the Warriors met the New York Knicks in Hershey, Pennsylvania. Get to Hershey about 2 or 3 o'clock in the afternoon. There were no hotels for us to go to and stay in because we didn't do those kind of things in those days. We went straight to the arena where we had to wait around for five or six hours for the game. But happened to be in this arena, they had a shooting gallery. Little penny arcade, so some of the guys went there, and I started shooting rifles and so on and so forth, and I couldn't miss anything. So if there was ever a clue that I was going to have a high day, this was definitely the clue. Rogers inside to Adams to Chamberlain. He's got it. Mystery being run tonight in Ocean. The big man is broken the record and he's gone for bar. We're just conjecturing here how many can he make. The captain's running as high as 100. I think uh, when you got up somewhere in late third quarter, fourth quarter, Dave's in call who was in house, was now starting to call it. Well, the show that we hope will educate the sports listeners to the specifics of sport. With interviews, analysis, and a comprehensive look at the topics we feel will be appealing to the listener, and with that said, we're not just your average call-in, same subject, same question over and over sports radio. We like to think of ourselves as informative and educational radio. So why not sit back, and for the next 30 minutes or so, we hope you'll find the program informative, educational, and above all, enjoyable. And with that said and done, this is Sports Arena. We're coming at you live. And I'm your host, John Spoolis. Well, everybody, welcome to this Thursday program, a historic day in the world of sports. Today, of course, March 2nd, 2023, on this uh, Thursday. But uh, 61 years ago or so today, one of the uh, greatest accomplishments, if not probably the greatest accomplishment uh, of all time, happened in Hershey, Pennsylvania, when Will Chamberlain on March 2nd, 1962, against the New York Knicks at the Hershey Arena. You can still see it. Uh, it looks like a marine barrack-type roof, that rounded roof. Uh, when you join, uh, when you actually get to Hershey Park, uh, you can see it. And uh, on that day, uh, he scored uh, 100 points. And that is one of the most uh, incredible feats I think uh, you could possibly have. It was uh, just, just an amazing. He pulled down 25 boards that night. The final score, you know, it probably looked more like a game today with no defense. 169 to 147 over the New York Knicks. And then when the game was over, Wilt did his 
uh, customary milk drink that he always drank uh, a half a gallon or a gallon of milk before, particularly after games. And then he did uh, something kind of unusual. He took all the Knicks back to New York home. You heard in the sound clip that was uh, courtesy of YouTube and NBA history, that uh, remarkable broadcast. That game was not on TV. Uh, the announcer was Bill Campbell, who was a Philadelphia staple. I tried to um, interview Bill, but he was uh, toward the end of his life, and he wasn't uh, 100%, so he declined the interview. But uh, there is no tape, as far as we know, and only broadcast is what you heard on the soundbite as Bill Campbell, the voice then of the uh, Philadelphia 76ers, who went uh, you know, all the way through when George McGinnis was there and some of the other players, and a uh, longtime broadcaster did that game. So uh, Will Chamberlain, of course, uh, you know, probably, in my view, the greatest basketball player of all time. I know you can talk about, uh, you know, other things, and, you know, LeBron and Kobe and all that. And they're, they're all great, but I don't know that they had the power uh, of this guy, and uh, you know, when you look at it, it's uh, just incredible. He was playing against the Knicks, a team that entered the game with a 27-45 record, so they weren't, you know, s- super good. And would go occupy. They were going to occupy the second worst spot in the standings. Willie Knowles and Richie Gurren, those of us who uh, are old enough to remember Richie Gurren, were the biggest names of that. Uh, Kind of odd bunch there for the Knicks, and but the man guarding Wilt was Daryl Imhoff. So if you completed both of those challenges in successful fashions, and you knew that, then uh, you know you're part of a uh, of an overwhelming minority. Uh, but chances are you've only heard bits and pieces of the hundred point story, and they're usually the ones that make Wilt's uh, outing look as special as possible. So. Chamberlain's outing remains one of the most incredible performances in NBA history. It should say something that Kobe Bryant's, if you remember, 81-point outburst is the closest anyone other than Wilt has gotten to that vaunted 100-point barrier. And that doesn't prevent it from being overhyped until the context is as widely known as the scoring total. Chamberlain's accomplishment will remain a mythologicalized achievement and one that gives the Hall of Fame center just a bit too much credit. We wanted to talk about the actual truth of it. So from the get-go, the Knicks were, were really in trouble. And the Warriors ended the contest. Now, this is the Philadelphia Warriors, not the 76ers. Uh, the Warriors uh, would uh, eventually go to San Francisco and become the San Francisco Warriors. And I believe it was the Syracuse Nationals, if I'm not mistaken, who came down from Syracuse. The NBA wanted to expand their cities. They started out in the 40s with small cities like Fort Wayne and Syracuse and places like that. And Fort Wayne ended up, uh, Pistons ended up coming the Detroit Pistons. And um, the Syracuse Nationals, if I'm not mistaken, were uh, the team that became the Philadelphia 76ers. But Chamberlain played for the Philadelphia Warriors in 62. So uh, the contest was uh, 46-29, while New York was well back, sitting dead last, as they said, 27-45 was the record. So on top of that, the underdogs didn't even have all their top personnel at their disposal, and a fact that often goes unreported when marveling at Wilt's uh, scoring figure. So according to Ben Bolch of the Los Angeles Times, it wasn't just Phil Jordan, the Knicks starting center, who was missing by the end of the game. You know, when you look at uh, a lot of this, 
uh, you know, there is uh, there is conjecture about, you know, what happened and uh, how it happened and so forth. So when we look at, uh, you know, we look at it farther, uh, how's the game going for Chamberlain? Well, Chamberlain easy could have been expected to explode on that fateful night as the matchup was perfectly tailored for an evening of domination. But to score 100 points was really out of the realm. So uh, that still wasn't viewed as something within the realm of realistic possibilities in the NBA, particularly then when they played more of a defensive game. So Imhoff probably isn't a name that's familiar to newer generations of basketball fans. It's one that might elude the older uh, fans among us, as the big man is still most famous for allowing Wilt to post uh, that total. So at 6'10", 220-pound center, Imhoff made the all-star team in 67. But that was the only occasion on which he was honored. During the 61-62 season, which contained his infamous matchup against the Philly standout, he was playing less than 20 minutes per contest and averaging about 5.9 points and 6.2 rebounds per game. So he was forced into action during this game by Jordan's troubles, but foul trouble limited him. And Imhoff is quoted as saying the following to a referee after he drew a third whistle early in the proceedings. He said, well, why don't you just give the guy 100 now and we'll all go home, speaking of uh, Will Chamberlain. And so, of course, little did he know, it was Imhoff's second season in the NBA, and that still gave him more experience than Cleveland Buckner. So less than one year removed from low-level college basketball at Jackson State, Buckner was forced into action against Chamberlain. And he towered over him in both height and reputation. This is Chamberlain did. 6'9", 210-pound center was a sixth-round pick in the 61 NBA draft. And, yes, that made him a rookie when he was forced to go up against Chamberlain. So nothing complicated, just an antiquated box score bearing one of the most famous numbers in basketball history, and that's 100. Unfortunately, we've gained a little more statistical insight over the years than that one piece of paper offered us in 62. The Big Dipper, as they called Chamberlain, shot 36 for 63 from the field and an incredible 28 for 32 from the free throw line, which actually Chamberlain was one of the worst free throw shooters in the league. He used to use that underhand layup, uh, uh, underhand shot, for uh, as Rick Barry did uh, with the uh, Golden State Warriors and the uh, Carolina Cougars. So just think about those numbers for a second. They even, they're even crazier than the triple-digit figure Chamberlain posted in the scoring column. And 63 shots from the field in a single game, some players go a dozen outings without attempting that many shots. So basketball reference shows that in the last three decades, only 22 games have been recorded in which a player lofted up at least 40 attempts from the field. No one has broken past 50 Though Michael Jordan came close when he took 49 shots against the uh, Orlando Magic in 1993. And when Kobe dropped in that 81 points against the Raptors, he shot 28 for 46 from the field. That's 17 shots fewer than Chamberlain took on his legendary night. So why? Because the rest of the Warriors did everything they could to do manufacture uh, this outing. Chamberlain admitted as much during his autobiography called Wilt, according to the big man, he said, but my teammates wanted me to do it. They started feeding me the ball even when they were wide open. So two paragraphs later in the book, he writes, I really think I shot too often in that 100-point game, particularly in the fourth quarter, when everyone was egging me on to 100 points. And can you imagine the modern-day reaction of players actually started 
turning their nose up at wide-open shots. Could you imagine? We live in a society that crucifies players for manufacturing triple-doubles by taking shots in meaningless situations. And remember what Nicholas Batum said after launching a last-second three-pointer to record a triple-double against the San Antonio Spurs. As a refresher, here's the quote. That is maybe the worst thing I've done in my career. I went in, I was like, oh, no, I didn't mean to disrespect this team. This is the San Antonio Spurs, the best team from the last 15 years in the NBA. I've never disrespected this team. I love this team. I have a lot of friends on this team. I know this is a bad thing to do. I want to apologize to the Spurs organization because that didn't show good respect for the game, for myself or for the Blazers. I don't really want to disrespect this team. So that was for all ill-advised three-pointers. And if you think Wilt having teammates passing up on open looks to feed him the ball as bad as it got in 62, you think again. So from accounts of how it went down, the Warriors spent almost the entire fourth quarter fouling to get the ball back and force-feeding Chamberlain the ball. Royce Young of CBS Sports said New York coach Eddie Donovan said the game was a farce. They would foul us, and we would foul them, and Chamberlain shot attempts by quarter 14, 12, 16, and 21. You'd think in a blowout in today's game that a team would uh, keep feeding their star like that. That was Royce Young of CBS Sports, and he goes on to say it's one thing for the opposing team to employ a hack-a-wilt strategy, if you remember the hack-a-shack from years ago. And after all, Chamberlain was one of the worst as we said, free-throw shooters in the NBA has ever seen. He shot 51.1% from the line on 11.4 attempts per game for his career, and it's a serious aberration that he was able to knock down 28 of his 32 attempts from the charity stripe that night. More power to him for converting when the odds were certainly against him. He said, hell, I'm one of the world's worst foul shooters, and I hit 28 of 32 free throws that night, 87.5%. That's what he wrote in his autobiography, Wilt. That just shows that anyone can get lucky. Just check the box scores over a few months. Some really weak players will have fantastic games. That was another quote from Chamberlain from his autobiography. So going on, it's different from a player's teammates to foul the other team during a blowout and all with the intent of running up the individual scoring total. That's when things become kind of farcical. As Donovan mentioned in Young's quote, the fouls just piled up as the game got increasingly ridiculous. Both teams were intentionally getting refs to blow whistles, and the Knicks were doing everything possible to run the clock out before Wilf got to uh, triple digits. Frank McGuire, the head coach of the Warriors, even put in his backups during the closing minutes of the fourth quarter, all with the intention of using them to foul New York and get the ball back into Wilf's hands. And moreover, it's interesting that the relevant pages of Wilt, the autobiography, makes absolutely no reference to any of this. Chamberlain writes about the Knicks holding on to the ball almost the full 24 seconds every time they got it late in the game. He mentions that Knowles told him Donovan gave his team explicit orders to freeze the ball and pass up good shots so Chamberlain couldn't rebound and score and embarrass them. But he never talks about his team employing similar farcical tactics. You wonder why. Well, Even with a lackluster group of centers checking him, his teammates feeding him the ball at the expense of their own numbers and the game taking on strange nature as the clock wound down toward triple zeros, Wilt still scored 100 points. And that's not an achievement to be taken lightly regardless of the circumstances. No player in NBA history has come any closer than 19 points from his record-setting goal, and he's generally thought of as the holder of one of the sport's unbreakable records. I don't want to take anything away from that, 
what Wilt did was ridiculous, and it truly deserves to be remembered and sir, and rever- revered, I should say, for as long as basketball is around. However, context is important. So I told you that someone had a triple-double last night. You'd think that was impressive. Well, now suppose I fill you in more detail, revealing that the player in question had 10 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists, but he also went 5 for 40 from the field and turned the ball over 12 times. Is that still impressive? That's an extreme case of record we're currently dealing with. Chamberlain does have a few bits of context that detract from the overall legend of his 100-point outing, but it's still a ridiculously impressive performance. You can never take that away from him, and you shouldn't try. But the next time you're thinking about the center who once broke into triple digits in the scoring column, remember more than just the number of points that he scored. And so, you know, you look at that, that record in retrospect, and you wonder, and you look at all these, you know, great uh Feats, you know, uh, Bob Beeman's great long jump at Mexico City, you know, Bruce Jenner winning the decathlon uh, in Montreal, Cassius Clay, Muhammad Ali, you know, doing uh, what he did. And yet they kind of pale in comparison to. Uh, what Wilt Chamberlain did. He shot 36 for 63 from the field and 28 for 32 from the foul line, the Big Dipper. He scored his 100th point that night on an assist from Joe Rucklick with 46 uh, seconds left in the game. Now, you know, it's interesting because uh, a lot of people kind of, there's always the critics. And uh, most modern day, and and basketball is really in the modern day. It wasn't really uh, a great sport back in the early 60s. Uh, There was only less than 4,500 people to see that game, although everybody said they were there. And when you look at the early time of the NBA, they were still kind of clawing their way for recognition. They were a league that was, uh, for the most part, uh, in their infancy with Small cities, as I mentioned earlier, you know, like Syracuse and some of these other uh, smaller cities, Fort Wayne and everything, and they wanted more identity. And they figured that uh, they would get identity by branching out into bigger cities. And so, you know, the Warriors went west and into San Francisco. Uh, Minneapolis, uh, where the great George Mikan played, went uh, southwest to uh, Los Angeles and became the Lakers. Uh, You know, the Syracuse Nationals uh, went down and became, uh, you know, another big pro team. And so so it went. And now, of course, the NBA is represented by a congregation of major cities in America. And the put-down was that the game for many sports writers was inconsistent with the way basketball was played, and that is – once Wilt Chamberlain, and he had scored 79 points before that, and, and he was close to 50 points for many, many games. He was a tremendous scorer. And, of course, that was a different league then because it was a half-court league. You did have some teams that ran the ball, like Boston. Uh, the Lakers ran the ball a little bit. But for most teams, you know, they had their big man, and they would uh, feed the 
him and set picks, and the guy would be, you know, 10, 15 feet maybe less uh, from the basket, and, and it was a half-court game, and he would muscle his way in, and nobody could stop Chamberlain. Even Bill Russell said, as great as Russell was for the Boston Celtics, one of the great defensive players of all time, said that it was a, it was a, uh, a chore to try to stop this guy. He was just tremendously powerful. And even long after he retired, he was in great physical uh, strength and shape. But those who tried to pan it said that, you know, the open shot, and we came uh, to that conclusion there, where many of the Warriors players had open shots, but instead they gave it to Chamberlain trying to pad the game. Now, is there anything wrong with that? Not really. You know, would it have been greater had Chamberlain scored a lot of those points? Uh, maybe, you know, when somebody was guarded and passed him the ball? Eh, maybe. But the sheer fact that somebody uh, could really, in a sport that didn't have a three-point play, that didn't have the speed of what it does now, uh, could conceivably come up with those kinds of numbers and the, you know he said as you heard in the soundbite uh you know it was a little different in those days you would come to the arena you didn't have hotels as much uh when you were close by one of the reasons they played the game in Hershey is because the NBA was looking to expand their um, popularity and so they would uh, not barnstorm like in the early 20s when uh, the NFL and the Chicago Bears with Red Grange would what they call barnstorm and go through and play three or four games a week to make money and to, uh, you know, prosper the league. But they played in different types of arenas to try to uh, get the NBA more popular. And that's one of the reasons, instead of playing in Philadelphia, that they went to Hershey, which is really not that far away. But it wasn't a game, It was even though it was a game for the ages, it was a game that no one ever thought would come to fruition that way. As I said, Chamberlain was a terrible free-throw shooter. And in that game, he was incredible. He was like 81%. You know, it was, a, it was, a, it was a, incredible what he was able to do in that game. Now, you know, when you look at 50-point, uh, games, Will Chamberlain did it 118 times. Michael Jordan did it 31 times. Kobe Bryant did it 25 times. And James Harden did it 23 times. And so, you know, when you talk about great dominating players, players who revolutionized the sport, as we had mentioned before, in one of our uh, broadcasts about what makes a player greater than great, and that's those who revolutionize the sport. You know, they, uh, the Mikan rule, which was a rule uh, that was put back in the early NBA when George Mikan dominated at center for the Minneapolis Lakers, they actually widened the lane. And they did the same thing for Chamberlain. And so, you know, you can talk about great players. There's no question that Michael Jordan was a great player, that Kobe was a great player. Um, I don't know that I'd put Harden probably in there, although he's a great scorer. I don't know that he's a very good defensive player. It seems today that players are ranked by how many baskets they can score, but not a total player who can play defense as well. 
You can name many, many, many scorers offensive prowess, but you have a hard time naming on one hand people who can really play defense. And Will could do both. He was a dominating offensive player, but he was a great shot blocker. And, you know, when you look at it, 118 times he had 50 points and Michael Jordan 31. Not even close when you look at, uh, you know, the the situation there, you know. Um, The three-point line did not exist during uh, Chamberlain's career. Then there's the question is, is Wilt better than Kareem? Kareem considered one of the great centers of all time, and he won rings at the age of 40 and 41, but lost in the finals at age 42. And they actually both lost in the NBA finals in their final season. And in his prime, Wilt would have destroyed Kareem with superior strength, leaping ability, and stamina, not to mention awesome offensive and defensive skills. Although um, I think if anybody could have blocked the sky hook, it might have been uh, Wilt. How many 70-point games did he have? He played in one game with 70-plus points versus the Syracuse Nationals on March 10th, almost a year later after he scored 100 points, 1963. And then people will say, uh, who was better, Wilt or Russell? Well, Wilt Chamberlain was the most dominant player in NBA history in head-to-head matchups versus Russell. He scored more points, grabbed more rebounds, passed for more assists, and lost more games. How many 60-point uh, games did he have? He did it 32 times. Who has better stats, Wilt or Jordan? Well, Wilt Chambers, the all-time leader in rebounds, 23,924. Michael Jordan had 6,672. Wilt averaged 22.9 career, while Jordan averaged 6.2 RPG over his career. Uh, and, of course, you know, it's it's hard to argue things like that because it's a different game. We realize that. You know, I don't know that Michael Jordan could play in the game in those days. Would he have been an average player? I mean, you know, you're only as good, really, as the game. You're only as good as the rules. How good would Pete Maravich have been today had the three-point play been involved when he was there? Some people think that he could have been a 50-point game scorer. So we celebrate today, March 2nd, 1962, some 61 years ago, when a man from Overbrook High School, an oversized kid, ended up going to the University of Kansas and playing for the Jayhawks and then ultimately playing for the Warriors and the 76ers and also the uh, Los Angeles Lakers and became, in my view, the greatest basketball player of all time. And I would probably argue that point with anyone. If you're arguing with stats, Chamberlain has the stats. We read them to you. If you're arguing about strength, Chamberlain had the strength. Uh, sometimes people, it's said of people, they were born to do this. You know, uh, Paul McCartney one time, somebody said of Paul McCartney, he was born to write songs, him and John Lennon. You know, uh, John Glenn was born to be an astronaut. You know, uh, Albert Einstein was born to be a great mathematician, although he failed math in high school in, in Germany, believe it or not, as did Michael Jordan. 
got cut from his high school team. You never know what will happen. But, you know, when you look at greatness, when you look at somebody who was born and bred to be able to do what Wilt Chamberlain does, when I think basketball, I think Wilt Chamberlain. And he's been gone from us for quite a while. And his playing days have been expired for many, many years. But here he is still on this day, no one, 61 years later, and you look at all of the great shooters we've had over the years, Kobe and Bird and Devin Booker and Jordan and all these guys who are incredible shooters, downtown Freddie Brown who used to come off the floor, you know, they don't even come close to what Wilt Chamberlain was able to do. So today we uh, hail this great star of the NBA, you know, this, this great savior, you might say, of the game, Wilt Chamberlain. And, of course, uh, those of you who never saw him, you might want to look at YouTube and see some of the games that uh, he did. Uh, he was uh, a man amongst infants out there. He did whatever he wanted to do. And, of course, whether or not uh, they padded the game to him and gave him all the chances to score or not, to be able to score 100 points in a game is phenomenal. I don't know that the record will ever be broken. They say records are made to be broken. Who knows? But it may be a quite a while before it's done. Well, I'll about do it for our show today. Thanks so much for joining us on Sports Beat Radio Talk and Sports. All of you have a great day and great sports. We'll see you again tomorrow, everybody. Be well.